0: Welcome to the podcast Verses and Visions Creative Conversations. I'm your host Cassidy Beck. In this podcast we will delve into the personal stories of individuals who have achieved success gaining insights into the experiences that shape their journey and the visions of themselves. I'm really really excited to welcome Daniel Blumberg. Daniel is a music producer, arranger, songwriter, keyboardist, and vocalist from Sweden, who found both the love of his life and many of its favorite music colleagues while in college at the U.S. In addition to his own producing, arranging, and performing, he has taught songwriting and other music and business courses at the American University of Madaba. After many international moves, Daniel and his family have now settled into Provo, Utah, and on a more personal note, I am very happy to call um, Daniel one of my mentors. He is a, also a business coach, and I get to meet with him every week. And I truly value that experience. And welcome to the show, Daniel.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> wow, that's quite the welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Cassidy. I'm excited to be here.
0: I would love to hear about your journey.
1: Wow. Well, that's, that conversation could go a lot of ways, obviously, but I'm super, super grateful right now to be where I'm at. I think there are two fundamental things that go on in most people's lives. It's the desire to improve the world and the desire to enjoy the world. Mm. And there's even a quote that someone says, I wake up every morning, torn between my desire to enjoy the world and improve the world. And that makes it really hard to plan my day.
0: Yes. And
1: I'm at a point right now where I'm really enjoying my world and still have the desire to improve and and do better and serve the world, serve my clients and the people I interact with in my life and make a a better life for my family and loved ones in many ways. But I'm at a comfortable spot in some ways and it's given me opportunity to reflect and just be grateful. How on earth did we end up here and how am I having so much fun right now? (laughs) So that's good. Are there any specific things you're curious about?
0: So part of your journey that I feel like I have often reflected on, because I know like right now you're extremely successful. Oh my gosh. I've been watching some of your videos. You are extraordinary, truly gifted and talented. It is really a pleasure to be talking to you. And I know that I have so much to learn from you. I know that there was a start and stop in your experience. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: when you say extremely successful that's really interesting to me because i feel like at least i and probably most of the individuals that i've interacted with Mm. where you could say that there's been some level of success is that that's very seldom the lived experience of the individual Mm. we're all just plodding along doing our thing right Mm. and then we look different from the outside than we feel on the inside and that, you know, I think imposter syndrome is related to that. And, mm-hmm. and I think that also we just get used to our new level. And, and I think gratitude plays a big role in stopping and reflecting and seeing, wow, things really are happening in a way that I really didn't think they could. There's both sides there. There's definitely the, when it seems ordinary to us, it does not seem ordinary to other people that look at us and that can happen pretty much anywhere in life any level of success or no success at all we all look at each other and go wow they really have it put together and on the inside eh, we're very much human and have our frailties and weaknesses and are trying to figure out life and contribution i think that's just a really interesting observation i have had some several pretty spectacular route changes in life and with that means learning curves and with learning curves come failure and failure is a really awesome thing and someone said most people when they encounter failure turn around and run the other way because Mm -hmm. of the erroneous notion that failure is in one direction and success Mm -hmm. is in the other direction Mm -hmm. so if you encountered failure that means you must be going the wrong way so it's time to run the other way and that's Mm -hmm. actually not true failure and success are in the same direction. It's just a success is farther along the path. So if you encounter failure, that means you are exactly in the right direction. You're doing the exact right thing. Just that insight, knowing that, wow, when I fail, that's a good thing. Cause now it means we're actually heading somewhere. Mm. We just, in my company had a major shift in direction. And kind of buried a project that we'd been working on for almost two years mm-hmm. that ended up not having the potential that we thought it was going to have. And it felt really great to put it to rest, mm-hmm. even though you could say that was a failure. We tried to yeah. do something for you know 18 months to two years and, and it didn't work out. But man, we learned so much mm-hmm. and we're better people mm-hmm. on the other side of that. So it's definitely a fail forward if it's a failure at all. There's also a lot of skill development that I'll be able to drop on for the rest of my life because of that experience. Going into juicy failures, the first, (laughs) the first business I started with my wife, we're business partners and sometimes she's more involved, sometimes less. So we also have five children and she's a homeschooling mom and she is as of recent years, an author.
0: She's also a musician as well. Like she's an incredible vocalist. I saw on some of your videos, incredibly talented in her own right as well.
1: She is, she is. And finding the balance of what to do with business. When we came back from the Middle East. So the backstory is we met in the US in 2003. She graduated in 05 and I in 07. Then we spent a year in England. I got a master's there. And then we spent 2008 through 2015 in Sweden most of that on an island in the middle of the Baltic Sea, where I was working for the Swedish government. Then in 2015, we felt like we needed some different experiences for our family, and we sought out an opportunity to move to Jordan in the Middle East. I got a job there, but we had a few months in between, so we spent five and a half months in the U.S. in 2015, met some incredible people, did some personal development, read some interesting books, and just kind of that summer, just shifted a lot of things for us we'd kind of gotten into personal development reading in 2013 and it was just that where the volume turned up <laughs> mm-hmm. so that was an amazing summer we learned so much and then we spent two years in jordan in the middle east and i taught that uh, at a university there and uh, was able to interact during that short time with four different university presidents and mm-hmm. got kind of an insight into their lives and that was one of those, wow, all people are people. They have, you know, they, they are extremely successful individuals in their society, but they're just people mm-hmm. and everyone deals with the same kind of insecurities and the same challenges. And it was just really good for me to have that interaction. Sometime in 2015, we decided that the Jordan job was going to be our last job. And then we wanted to work for ourselves and we didn't mm-hmm. quite know what to do. Also in 2015, both my wife and I started receiving downloads that it was time to get back into music, hmm. which I was a music major, she was a music minor. Hmm. And we kind of waved goodbye at that around 2005, hmm. when I want, went into a, a class in college that ended up totally shifting career paths for me. And I hmm. went into international Ooh, What relations. class was it? It was, ha! Huh, Of all things, it was a history class. It was Jewish civilization from 70 AD to the present. And it was taught by a professor who split his time between uh, Cambridge in the UK and Brigham Young University in, in the US, which is where I was attending. And he was just this amazing intellectual and just a great human. And I just felt like I needed to go talk to him. And so after several weeks, I made up an excuse and went to his office. Asked my question, I don't think he ever answered it. Instead, he, <laughs> you know, he started asking me questions. And then he said, have you thought about international relations programs in the UK or in Europe? And there was just something that went, wow, this feels right. This was like totally out of left field. So I just said, please continue, you know, tell me more. Yeah. yeah. And I ended up getting a master's in international relations and development studies in the UK. At the university of east anglia with a focus on russian foreign policy and 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 then i wrote my dissertation which is the uk equivalent of a thesis in the us on fatherhood in russia i was going to go into family policy because i care about families and i wanted to make life better for families yeah and because of that i got to take some classes that prepared me to live in my home country sweden i ended up working for the government which was totally unrelated but it was really good for me i've basically I bounced back and forth between different aspects of contribution you know this feels important to me so i want to do something with this and it took several bounces we had some great experiences while living out on the island as far as serving in our congregation but the work Pretty soon, it became apparent to me that I, I I couldn't stay there for the rest of my career. It just wasn't a good enough fit for my my skill set and where I feel that I could do a good job for them and contribute in in the world. So that's why we ended up bouncing again. And um, that Jordanian job was really great for me, but we also felt that it was time to go back into music, and it was time to work for ourselves after that job. And it ended up being a two-year thing. It could have been anywhere between one and five years. So in 2017, we came back to the US and started a business. I started a life coaching business. Because again, you know, I like helping people. I like coaching. And got a few clients. I was figuring out marketing and sales and and all those kinds of things. And, and then the, it was like the Lord tapped me over the head and said, Hello, haven't we kind of talked about music (laughs) and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. We did think about that two years ago and it felt like we need to get back into music. And I taught music every semester at the university, which was not the plan, right? But I, I guess I thought I'd kind of fulfilled that, but possibly not. So now what do I do? I'm into this life coaching thing and do I just drop that? And then I just had this amazing idea or so I thought, why don't we combine personal development and music? Because music is extremely powerful at helping people shift their emotions and just go in a different in in a a different direction emotionally and just it, it just rewires your brain so effectively. And so we started this choir called Rewire Choir. Rewire your brain through music was the concept and I remember someone asking, wait, is this a choir or is it a personal development program? And I'm like, yes, (laughs) it was both, right? And we had a focus group, people, we said they could join for free uh, in exchange for giving us the feedback that we needed to to launch this on a bigger scale. They loved it. It was awesome. So we had weekly meetings and we did exercises and, and it was an amazing thing. And we launched it and it totally flopped. I sold one membership to my mother in Sweden who couldn't really get much out of it. (laughs) We did have an online component, but it it, it was difficult. So $349 of sales later, that's all I had to show for the three to four months of prep work of building a funnel. There was a website, there were Facebook ads with videos, there was a webinar and the skeleton of a way to find clients and bless their lives was all there hmm. and it had no life hmm. and, and that was hard because yeah. <laughs> that was about as aligned as I thought we could be yeah, with what we felt the Lord wanted us to do and it wasn't working yeah. and so I kind of went back to the drawing table okay what do we do now and it was cool because I'd signed up for a $25,000 one year business training program, hmm. which is a crazy thing to do. We came back from the Middle East with a couple of thousand dollars in savings and just a plan to work hard and make this work. Yeah, And that, we ran out of money really quickly. There's seven of us, my wife and I and our five kids and things got pretty desperate there and I'm like, what do I do now? I got to feed my family and you can't live off credit cards <laughs> for mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. And I don't really advise anyone to take that route. Mm -hmm. It was the route for us because that was the only way in our situation that we can make our dream, our plan happen. And we felt like we were pursuing and doing what the Lord wanted us to do. So I went to an event with this company, E-Simplified. They were amazing. Kim Flynn was in charge of that. And she said at one point in a training session, you know how you, you watch your favorite movie and the main character it's kind of messy in the middle well it's messy until that main character decides to become willing to do what they had not yet been willing to do Hmm. so go figure out what you haven't been willing to do and go do that Hmm. and i left and i wasn't even to my car before i knew what i needed to do Hmm. i needed to go get a job and i needed to stop selling like a sissy (laughs) I was not comfortable asking people to invest in themselves with me and my business. Mm. And if I'm not willing to show up for them, because sales is a hard thing, especially enlightened sales. I don't believe that sales should be about persuading someone to buy something from you. Mm -hmm. I think in its most enlightened form, sales is leading someone to clarity about what is the best decision for them. And so managing someone's emotions and your own emotions in that situation is a skill that I had to learn. And so I ended up selling life insurance on a hundred percent commission for the next several months, wow. <laughs> which didn't go very well, but I learned a ton cause I got to sit in dozens of homes and help dozens of people make that decision about whether it was a good idea for them or not. And, and that was really great for me. And then, as this process was going on, I just had the inspiration one day. I was sitting in church and I felt like I needed to reach out to a friend from college who ran a recording studio. And his name is Dave Zimmerman. He is an award winning producer and is just amazing at what he does producer engineer. So he was the mixing engineer for several albums or songs that were up on top of the Billboard crossover charts. And so I reached out to him thinking, if you need someone playing keyboards in your studio, I'm available. That was the gist of what I said. And in my mind, that was like, well, maybe I just need to make some quick money while something else is working out. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened was that within 24 hours, I had my first music client. And within three weeks, I had several more. Yeah. And that's called product market fit in business speak. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Where what you want to give and what people want to buy coincides yeah. at a level where it's sustainable. For yeah. three weeks, I had five new clients and four of them from Dave. Wow, is this, this is the it. way, you know? Yeah. Right, and, and it just wasn't on my map because mm. like everyone else, I've heard you can't make money making music. Mm. But when you do the math, <laughs> yes, you can. I make more yeah. money making music than anything else I've ever done.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I was able and willing and, and I stress willing, because I think almost anyone is able, I was willing to pay the price to learn business skills and mindset skills and those other things that you have to pair with a creative profession in order to actually make it work and serve people at a scale that you're adding so much value to their lives that they are happy to pay you what you need to live off of it.
0: I actually am just thinking about something you said yesterday that your kids said that they had a hard time distinguishing when you were working and when you're playing, because this (laughs) is what you love to do. And I feel like that's awesome that you found your place. I mean, you say the product market fit, but you found your flow. You found what you were called to do. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's That's interesting cool. this actually has to do with the, the whole imposter syndrome because there, there are a couple of insights in the same book. One of them has to do with imposter syndrome and the other one has to do with your zone of genius. <laughs> and the book I'm talking about is Gay Hendrix's The Big Leap. And he talks about the upper limit. And so I have a friend, James Stevens, introduced me to my first personal development book. One of the things that he talks about is your zone of genius. There are four zones. Everyone has a zone of incompetence. That's me and cars or me and cooking. Then there's your zone of competence where you can do it just as well as the next person, but it's nothing special. And then it's your zone of uh, excellence. That's the stuff that you are really great at and people really appreciate you doing it for them and so they want you to do that and you 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 make good money when you do it uh, and and you you make people's lives better Hmm. but it's it's kind of a trap because it's close but not quite your zone of genius which is the last zone when you're in your zone of genius time kind of doesn't exist in the same way Even if you spend just a little bit of time at it, it can make a significant contribution. For example, if I sit down for five minutes and play the piano, I can crank out a, a, a piano background that someone else can use. And it only takes me five minutes because it's in my zone of genius. Like that's where I live when I'm doing my very best. James was talking about the book and explaining it to me. And and he said, and it's so painfully obvious where your zone of genius is. Mm. And I'm like, wait, Mm. music. I Mm. mean, everyone since I was tiny knew that I was a musician. Mm. Like anyone that got to know me on any level knew that music is the thing for me, but Mm. I had, Given up on that because I just didn't think that that was a way to provide for a family. And turns out that it is, if you learn the business skills. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of got me on this aha, okay, well, maybe, maybe I really can make this work full time.
0: Mm-hmm. Clearly, you are a phenomenal musician. I also think that one of your zone of genius is connecting and communicating with people. So I I think you're playing right into your strengths. Okay, so I have so many questions. I just have been having this nagging question that I've wanted to ask you. I love books. When I read, I enjoy them. I love them. I think when you read, do you have total recall?
1: Hmm, interesting. I wouldn't say so. But if it's a sliding scale, then maybe I'm higher up on the scale than average, perhaps?
0: Yeah, because you can just rattle off. You're like, oh, read this by this person and you'll get this. And I love books. I feel like I absorb them. They change me, but I don't have that skill that you do.
1: Interesting, huh? I suppose that definitely does come in handy.
0: Yeah, yeah, imagine. (laughs) If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: That gets me emotional, actually, because James Stevens that I was just talking about, he received a songwriting prompt in a songwriting group that he was in that was basically that same thing. Mm. What advice would you give your younger self? And, mm. and he wrote this beautiful song called Don't Change a Thing. Mm. And I really connect with that mm. because we are all... If you ask our buddhist friends at least this is my understanding everyone is doing their best at all times and if we're not doing our best it's because our level of awareness or consciousness just isn't at any higher point yet and so yeah there are things that i would do differently if i knew what i know now for sure but i do think that there's a grain of truth in that it's a lot of life is about levels of awareness levels of consciousness. And so it was probably a good thing that I screwed up in the right ways. Mm-hmm. I screwed up yesterday and I had to call back and renegotiate something because I hit my upper limit and self-sabotaged. And I realized that that's not in my interest nor in the client's interest. Mm-hmm. And, and luckily it, it was a great conversation this morning and things are all great, mm-hmm. but we keep hitting these blocks in life and the process is just as beautiful as the outcomes. I would say to, to lean into the experience Mm. and focus on loving life and loving the process Mm. skewing more towards enjoying than improving my world.
0: Have you experienced imposter syndrome and how have you overcome that?
1: First of all, I think that the best we can hope for is to kick our level when we hit imposter syndrome northward. Mm. Mm. Because we're continually expanding as human beings. And imposter syndrome happens when we feel like, I don't deserve to be here. And Peter encounters it in the Bible. And I love this story. When Peter's out fishing Uh, all night and gets nothing. And then the next day, Jesus is preaching and he gets into Peter's boat and preaches from the boat. And the the congregation is on the shore. And afterwards, Jesus says, Hey, Peter, go fish over there. And Peter is probably thinking, Well, I tried that all night and it didn't work. (laughs) But because it's Jesus, he gives it a try and gets so much fish that he can't even handle it, like his boat cannot handle it. And so he, he, he just goes from his worst day in business to his best day in business in a very short time, thanks to Jesus. And Peter totally makes that connection. And you would think that his reaction would be, wow, I need to stick close to Jesus for the rest of forever, right? This, this mm-hmm. is good news, but that's not at all how he reacts. He says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Mm. He basically says, I am not worthy of this. Please go away, Jesus. Uh, This is too good for me. Mm. And in that book, Gay Hendricks's book, The Big Leap, he goes into great detail on what he calls the upper limit syndrome. And our lives are basically across multiple disciplines of success, such as money and abundance, such as relationships and such as creativity. Across all of these ways of measuring success and happiness, we have a a thermostat. And so if we experience a big increase in one of them, Hmm. it's likely that we will self-sabotage by decreasing one of the other two or the one that just had an increase. And I'm sure a lot of us have experienced new money comes in and all of a sudden there's an expense that makes them go right back out again. Mm. Or if you have a a financial blessing, then you might have an argument with someone close to you. So you subconsciously bring yourself back down to a level that you're comfortable with because we are just not wired. He says in the book, the human body has like, we have a lot of pain receptors mm-hmm. and we have a few pleasure receptors as well, but where are our receptors for just general good feeling, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Uh, we're just not wired for having life go well mm-hmm. for any length of time, we're just constantly on the lookout for where's the next threat? Because that's part of our survival. And so. He says, why don't we practice? Why don't we develop the ability to have life go better for longer stretches of time? And that's the challenge. Are we willing to let ourselves be happy more often and for longer stretches of time? And he feels like in his life and in the life of his clients that he coached that yes, you absolutely can live a life that, that goes well pretty much all the time. That doesn't mean you don't have adverse events, but it means that you can live in a happy and beautiful space. I think that's that's very related to imposter syndrome the way I sure. see it.
0: Yeah. I I wish that we had double the amount of time. We're running out of time, so I'm going to go quick okay. into rapid fire questions. Do you prefer physical or audiobook?
1: Oh, Kindle. I can bring it everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite piece of artwork in your home?
1: oh i have a picture of jesus right in my office and he's smiling
0: okay favorite band
1: toto that was easy oh
0: okay so i just want to thank you so much for being on the show it's just been such a joy and a pleasure to have you here
1: thank you cassidy yeah
0: this is cassidy beck signing off for today reminding you to embrace the art of self-refinement Until next time, keep crafting your masterpiece.